0: mission. To explore the far reaches of cinema, three daring adventures dive deep into the Criterion and beyond. These are the tales of their adventures. This is Cynonauts!
1: Hey, this is Ian. I'm Boom.
2: This is Catcher.
3: And welcome to the seventh episode of Cynonauts Exploring the Criterion and Beyond. For those who listened in last week, the end of the episode, we got a distress call from a lost fellow guest synonaut. His name was ProtoLexis, and he was on the planet of Fellini asking for support to chat about his iconic film Eight and a Half. <laughs> and he is here with us today. ProtoLexis, how you doing, buddy?
4: I'm so glad not to be alone exploring the uh, the Felliniverse. For the first time, I I, I needed your help. You better
2: not Matt Damon us, okay? That's all I got (laughs) to say right now. We'll see. Uh,
3: (laughs) (laughs) So Proto is a dear friend of ours. He is also one of the hosts on the extraordinary 70mm, 70mm podcast. Uh, Proto, for those who haven't heard of you or your show, why don't you talk to us a little bit about 70mm? So it's
4: a, a movie podcast for those who love film. Uh, and it's me, our producer Slim, and our crack artist Danny Haas. You may have heard of him if you follow the Disney universe. He does some amazing art, and somehow he does art like Catcher for every single episode. I just don't know how these mm-hmm. artists can maintain that level of production, That's but sick. here we are. So yeah, we just every, we're a weekly show. We do... We cover a movie, we talk about movies, we get in each other's faces,
0: <laughs> mm-hmm.
4: and uh, we sort it all out, you know? We're just trying to go on these movie journeys together and, and make something of our lives.
3: For those who are listening, hopefully this isn't sold out by the time this episode airs on Friday because we do record on Tuesdays, but uh, 70MM had a nice little reveal uh, on Monday with the folks over at Letterboxd. Do you want to talk about that?
4: Oh, yeah. So we're doing a collaboration with Letterboxd.com. Uh, Danny made some director pins. Oh yes, uh, four pins. So it's a, a Stanley Kubrick, a Spike Lee, Bong Joon-ho, and uh, Greta Gerwig. A set of pins. So you can buy them in a set, or you can buy them individually um, on our at our uh, our store, uh, where you can get to at 70 Uh And they're they're gorgeous. They can be you know wherever you can pin something, they could be mm-hmm. put.
2: Your jacket.
1: Yeah, I your saw them on Instagram. They're so awesome. I don't know how
4: he does it. I don't know how Danny makes these kind of things. I don't know if it's some kind of dark magic or what.
2: Oh, yeah. <laughs> he made a, a deal many, many years ago. <laughs> a dark deal.
3: But he, uh I, I can't even imagine his face when George Lucas didn't make the cut for the first <laughs> round of these pins. He must have been devastated. Poor guy.
4: George will get his, his moment.
3: George is going to have his own set. He's going to have four <laughs> from his different eras. We'll have 70s George, 80s George, 90s George, and then prequel George.
4: Yo, Danny just like, he just like flipped out hearing that. He's he's going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> TMTM.
3: That's going to have to be co-branded. That's right. Not, so, um, yeah. So, if you haven't listened to 70MM, they, we've talked about them a plenty on the show. But uh, if you haven't listened to them, make sure you check them out. Their episodes come out on Mondays, but they do... Uh, if you sign up for their incredible Patreon, which is $4 a month, you get access to listen to their live tapings, which is on their Discord channel, which I am in goofing off in there. They do Patreon exclusive episodes. You can listen to episodes live, get up a day early, all that sorts of stuff. Discounts on the pins. Make sure you go check that out.
4: Yeah. I mean, we do any kind of movie, but you know what I love about this is um, uh, as a, a movie lover, I, I want to get into the Criterion, but it's it's pretty daunting <laughs> When you're alone <laughs> yeah. just trying to <laughs> pick something, it it's it actually can be dangerous because there is some weird stuff on the yeah, character no That's well, for sure. You know? Um, so it I mean, this is so much fun to be able to like go along in a journey, be guided by you cinemas <laughs> Um, you know, or just like let you guys watch it first <laughs> and then kind of see. Do I want to jump into this yeah, or we, not? <laughs> That's what I love about this. We're the canary yeah. in the coal mine. We
3: picked only good movies so far. I think our, our most split one mm-hmm. was A Hard Day's Night, which again, I was very biased to, but the others were, they were fun. You were good on it, but yeah, I say we loved all, it.
1: I liked it. Uh,
3: before we get to Federico Fellini's Eight and a Half, which we're going to discuss later in this episode, let's quickly chat. Uh, what's the number one thing? You watched, listened to, consumed this week. Let's uh, let's start with Prod.
4: Uh, I was preparing for the big release of the new David Fincher flick on Netflix. Haven't watched Mank yet, but I watched Citizen Kane, uh, a rewatch. So this was my second watch. I watched it probably when I was in high school, maybe maybe in college. So it's been a long time, right? Uh, and I, I rewatched it, and man, I loved it. I remember. Th- being like lukewarm on the first time I saw it. But I think as I've grown and matured and watched more movies and just have more of an eye for what to look for and things to compare it to, I just had like a deeper appreciation for Citizen Kane this time around. And was really blown away with how, how wild of a movie it is. Um, And just the tone and maybe one of the most compelling openings, Mm -hmm. like opening scene of a movie that whole period where you're watching this documentary about his life and you know, you don't really know what's happening and then it pulls back and the tape stops, man, that, that whole sequence is, is just really incredible. So I watched that and I gave it, you got to give it five stars, right? <laughs> 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 I think it's required. So it was, you know, five star viewing for me getting prepared right. for Mank and I, I loved it. It really is. I mean, truly Really, a classic movie.
3: I also rewatched it ahead of Make. I watched Make already. I really enjoyed Make. I know it's get, kind of getting split reviews. It kind of surprised me, didn't really surprise me. But Kane, I again hadn't seen it since I was in high school, I think as a young not getting my feet wet. <laughs> and it is the sort of thing where, like, I think you don't appreciate how long ago it was the fact that Orson Welles wrote, directed, or wrote, depending on Make, on how you believe Make or not, uh, wrote, directed, uh, starred in the film and everything about it just holds up so well. Yeah, very very cool. Mm.
2: Yeah, I watch it like at the, in college when I first started really watching movies in like a film class, and I remember being so like whatever about it and just being like, "This is the one mm-hmm. they talk about on all the lists. This is the <laughs> one." So I I am excited to like actually go back and watch it. So it sounds like the second viewing, you got a lot more out of it. So I'm excited to get more out yeah, of it for the sure. second time as well.
1: I've never seen it, so mm. I'm gonna have to get on that.
3: You should, especially before you watch Mank, because I think Mank, if you're planning on watching it, you'll mm-hmm. and I think if you have seen Citizen Scan, you will get much more out of the film. Yeah. Um, just for like appreciation of what Fincher's trying to do. Whether you like it or not, of how like, you know, of the era he's trying to make the movie, um, I think people'll appreciate it a lot more. Sweet. Uh, all right. Boom. What about you? What what's your number one this week?
1: I think the most standout thing that I watched was the Euphoria bonus Mm. episode.
3: I haven't seen that yet.
1: Yeah. So they're dropping um, another one. So they said they're doing two. Um, So this was the first one. And I'm a big fan of Euphoria. Um, Like the way I would describe it is if like Baz Luhrmann did Skins But like Mm. during a depressive episode. But anyways, this bonus ep is like an epilogue to the first season. Mm -hmm. Um, And the show itself is just like super fast paced. And there's like a lot of characters. So in this episode, they kind of just slow it down. And we just catch our breath with Rue, who is the main character. Zendaya uh, plays her. And the entire episode is just Rue and her sponsor, Ali, like having Mm. this conversation in a diner. And it's about addiction and depression and ambition and just like the state of the world. So it's just really powerful stuff. And the reason I really like this episode is because these two characters from like different generations are kind of just like lifting that veil and like getting ugly and being um, scared and being honest. Um, And it's just like really electric and also deeply depressing like i i felt like i had been like i had a breakthrough during a therapy se- session like mm. after watching it so yeah i don't know it's just really good and so, nice so yeah hbo teen dramas just apparently serving as like some sort of awakening <laughs>
3: but, <laughs> yeah i love i love that show yeah so cool.
1: i feel like if like we had to like create a time capsule for 2020 like we would i would throw this episode in there <laughs> so nice. yeah
3: nice i haven't looked forward to that uh catcher what about you i didn't watch
2: much actually this week uh i got outside a bunch went hiking and, and such
3: nice yeah consuming so that- nature
2: Nature, you know, get out in the green, enjoy, you know, fresh oh air, gosh. you know? So, uh, that being said, when we got back from the hike, all my girlfriend wanted to watch was I Am Legend. So, <laughs> I I watched I Am Legend this week. I think this That's is actually the, f- the first time I've ever seen this movie. So, uh, I mean... It's whatever. Uh, it's, it's fine. It's not, it's not that great. And then I heard there was an alternate ending, so I yeah. watched that. That doesn't really save it. I don't really know what's going on. I feel bad for his character. The dog is the greatest part of that movie. Um, Sam, Samantha, God, what a great puppy. And uh, yeah, it's not great. It's not a great movie. <laughs> two and a half stars, two and a half out of five stars. Uh, that's what I watched this week.
4: If you want to redeem that a little bit, I would recommend reading the short story. It's based on, you can, you can Mm. probably read it in a, in one sitting. It's pretty quick, but there, there's a few moments in that where I was, uh, actually very scared reading a story and that doesn't happen very often, you know, reading Mm. a book. Yeah. That, that I would be like anxious for the character. And there's a few good moments in that story for that. So. Good read.
2: There is there is one moment in the movie where um his dog has like made its way into a building and it's like really dark. Mm -hmm. And uh he's gone in with like a gun on a flashlight, and he's just all you can see is what the flashlight can see, and he comes across a room and there's just a bunch of the you know like zombie esque uh ghouls in there all sort of huddling in a circle, like looking at each other, and it sort of gave me vibes of like Blair Witch Project, like standing Mm -hmm. in the corner kind of thing, and that was creepy. But everything there's a lot of in between that's not very good
3: on my end i as i've discussed in here before i have been a on a paul thomas anderson kick because Mm -hmm. i've been reading through this book called uh masterworks by adam namen which every he writes essays and stuff about all of his films and so i've been reading the book as i've been watching the movies in order of the book um so this week was the master and i've love that movie. I know Catcher gave it a four and a half star, but I think our dear friend Proto was not so loving. He gave it the classic Proto three star. Uh, <laughs> do you want to quickly, what, what was your main thing with the the master? Wait, did I give that a review? I don't think you gave it a review. So this could have been what was this okay. a BLB type situation?
4: I think, I think this was like a, uh, letterbox day one, randomly giving stars mm-hmm. out to movies. Um, yeah, so I'd have to revisit that. I remember, yeah, I remember not like loving, loving, loving it, but I don't know. It's been so right. long. I, I remember loving Joaquin Phoenix, yeah. of course, like his performance. Um, yeah, there's a few moments in that movie that like stuck in my yeah. brain. I can I can see
3: them now. <laughs> <laughs> that was our nice little catch up here. So, <laughs> guest Sinanat Proto Alexis, he's gonna take us on a little journey to the galaxy of Fellini. Uh, Proto, take us away. So
4: what I, what I know about this Fellini character I've kind of gleaned in the past 24 hours (laughs) because I don't really know much about him. So I did was, you know, a little bit of research. We know this movie eight and a half came out in 1963. And prior to this, Fellini had made seven films. Um, So that's mostly in the fifties. And what I read about it, him is that those movies uh, were a part of the what's called, what's called the Italian neorealism movement or the, the golden age, I guess, of Italian cinema, uh, which centered around stories of like working class people in Italy. Uh, I actually watched one of these movies that's pretty well known this year, uh, Bicycle Thieves oh, yeah. by Vittori De Sica. Um, so that's a notable moti- a notable movie of that period, uh, great flick. Uh, but then, uh, so those were like his uh, his first pictures are kind of centered around. But then I read on the always trusted Wikipedia uh,
2: <laughs>
4: that in the early sixties uh, he meets a psychoanalyst named Ernst Bernhard. And he experiments with LSD. Uh, And it says in this period of the 60s, as he continues to make movies, his style, um, and just like what he focuses on in his movies uh, shifts. And that's very obvious, I think, in this movie, (laughs) Eight and a Half, which is the title is Eight and a Half because he made seven movies and then he co-directed a movie with someone else, which is the half. So this is his eighth movie or eight, eight and a half movie. Yeah. (laughs) Um, uh, And uh, just, uh, I guess in terms of not to talk a lot about the story, but I mean, we'll get into, of course, the meta that this movie Mm -hmm. is the, 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 the monster uh, that it has uh, with inside of it. But uh, I think what's cool about this is that, you know, like every, every art form has some form of yourself In it, Mm -hmm. you know, all, all art forms do this, you know, Picasso, he did self portraits, uh, Stephen King, so many of his stories feature a protagonist who is a writer like him. You know, musicians have entire catalogs where it's just music about themselves. Um, and then here, you know, we have a movie that really is like Fellini writing himself into it about a, a director's struggle to make a movie. Uh, and, and what that means for the people in his life, what it means for his self-worth, uh, his reflections on the past, his legacy and, and everything in between.
3: Nice. So Proto, what made you want to select this movie, uh, for your guest spot here? Well,
4: I was looking long and hard in the criterion. I think I looked at movie over a (laughs) hundred films in earnest, you know, like opening the, rating the synopsis. (laughs) finding out they're 10 hours long (laughs) or (laughs) that they were hard to find. It was like, well, you know, I can't, you know, I'm not gonna be able to find this movie to watch or whatever. Um, But then, you know, I, I, I found this and I was like, Oh, Fellini, that like that rung a bell in my head. And then I, I watched the trailer on the criterion channel and that really solidified it for me. This trailer really spoke to me. Uh, just the music, the tone, the characters, the 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 um, just the the imagery. I was just like really struck by it, and it just seemed like a movie that I would enjoy,
3: mm-hmm. uh, honestly.
4: Mm-hmm. And and it, I think I I sense that it had maybe like a lighthearted tone in it.
3: have is on basically like every best hundred fifty, mm-hmm. sometimes top ten movies like ever made. I think so many. Uh, directors and films take nods from Fellini and Eight and a Half specifically, which we'll get to in a little bit. But um, this is something I actually hadn't seen this. And I don't think Boom or Catcher had seen it either. No, I think we're all,
1: it's all our first viewing, right? Yes. Yeah, I think
3: so. So for me, I like wasn't prepared for how like surreal it was. Mm. Out of It took me like 20 minutes to like get a grasp of what, was happening in this movie. What is real? What is not? It's about him. It's about Fellini himself. It's about Guido, all the sort of stuff. Yeah. But once it all clicked for me, it like really clicked for me. Yeah. Um. Mm-hmm. What What were your thoughts on that catcher? How did, were you able to sort of pick up on the narrative structure like right away?
2: Yeah. I, I'm the same as you. It took like the movie starts and like I loved it sort of like right away. Mm-hmm. I was just like, yeah. okay, this is cool. But also that what, opening like,
1: scene. Yeah, In the, in
2: the, like the, like, uh, the tunnel. In, the, in the tunnel, like so cool. And, uh, already I was kind of like old lady, young old man. I was like, there's some, he's doing some vibes. There's some lady vibes <laughs> going on here already. And the I was like, but there's no, well, it's just like you could, he's like, it felt like right away. I was like something about what was going on was like, he's got some lady issues. Mm. And then I was like, maybe I'm just reading a little bit too much into it from my own perspective. And then I would continue watching the movie, and that ended up being true. But, um, <laughs> but I, what I really loved about it was just like the way things flowed in between each scene, like the way that the scenes instantly started flowing. You're like, whoa, okay, where are we? What are mm-hmm. the rules? What's going on? What's real? What's not? And then, like you said, in about for me at least, similar idea. About twenty minutes in was the one I started realizing like it's not worth asking that question anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, just let's watch the scene. And take it in. And, like, I was trying to, like, re- like take a lot of notes. And then eventually I was just like, okay, chill. It's going <laughs> to let you know what you need to know. Mm. Just mm-hmm. sit there and go with it. And once I did that and, like, trusted the movie, I, ha- I started having so much more fun. And I started, like, really getting into it. And by the end, like, really, really enjoying it and loving the questions and loving the approach and, like, being impressed just with yeah. the bravery to like make a movie in this way. It was cool. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. I mean, this movie's Brave Now. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Like, mm-hmm.
3: like if this movie came out now, it would be super, it would be either be on Neon or A24. No major <laughs> no major <laughs> uh, production company would ever take this on and release it thinking like this is a good idea to put out into the world. Um but at the time it was like really well received. It it was featured in a can and um, you know, a lot of critics really praise it right away. So it's kind of interesting how I think a movie like this right now would be sort of, maybe not buried, but it would take like some legs to get it going mm. anywhere. Boom. What did you think, uh, Catcher already tapped on sort of, there some clear, uh, our, our lead character of Guido, who was the film's director in the film making a movie, mm-hmm. uh, as, as Proto said earlier. Um, he is a really interesting character to me because he comes off as like, a very like they set him up clearly as he's like the protagonist, and you're clear, you can tell he's charming mm-hmm. the way he talks to people on this movie set. Uh, and then they kind of make him into an asshole like very quickly when they they make you realize that he's um, he's bringing his mistress to the set, uh, <laughs> you know. And then they start to uh, start piling on all these women who later become a very important part of the climax. But uh, boom, did what was uh, your perspective on that? Did you have any? room in your heart for our boy Guido, uh, in terms of like, cause I don't think it was Fellini was necessarily defending him or making him no. like, a, a good guy. Right. Yeah. No. So, so what do you think about that? Yeah.
1: Like I, th- I think the depiction was quite honest. Like I don't, like I didn't really spot any lies in terms, like, I don't think it was glorifying who he was mm-hmm. and, and how he moved through the world. Um, do I have space for him? not necessarily like I I do think like I saw more as an antagonist than a protagonist and the way he kind of like just did what he did without caution and just kind of like gets himself caught up in this web of lies um and like I just didn't necessarily identify with him in any way and and I didn't really understand the, well, I I'm a Leo, so, like, I, I understood the level of
0: selfishness. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it was more so, like, I, I think what Catcher said at the beginning is just, like, trusting the movie and allow, allowing it to carry you through it. Mm. And I, And I think that I didn't really ever get to that point. Like, I think mm. I was kind of waiting for, like, the level, like, this level of connection. I think I was waiting t- to kind of, like, relate to Guido somehow. And I, I just never did because obviously I wouldn't, but right. Um,
3: did that hurt your viewing? You
1: think I I definitely did. Like, I think a lot of this movie was a little bit lost on me. Like, you know, when you're kind of reading a book or like you're reading some sort of kind of like dry material and you like read pages and pages, but you realize that like, you've been daydreaming for like five minutes. (laughs) And I was like, maybe that's like, maybe that's the movie. I mean, I'm, I really enjoyed like the dream sequences and things like that, you know? So I'm like, maybe this is just kind of like sparking something in my imagination. Hence me like daydreaming and not being able to pay attention. But
3: the daydreams I think are such a cool part. And this is what I was actually most excited that pro took this proto yeah. is the spiritual guide mm. of 70 millimeter. <laughs> and, uh, whenever I talked to proto, he, Always is enlightening me in one way or another, in particular about movies. So, (laughs) yeah, uh, there's obviously a key part to this film are the amount of uh, daydreams or dream sequences that go on coming through Guido's mind and how they weave the interplay between what is really happening or what you think is really happening and what he's sort of his memories and all sort of stuff. So, so Proto, what did you take away um, from like the portrayal of how uh, his you know memories and stuff kind of wove into the real time storytelling?
4: yeah well, yeah, this goes into like the you know the whole meta aspect of it, and yeah. even to what you guys are saying about Guido, what what I love about him is like, yeah, he has these moments in the movie where he's daydreaming, um, or somebody says something to him that he disagrees with or he doesn't like, or he just has like these completely fantastical uh, daydreams of really being like the most important person. In the world, mm-hmm. right? So, like, that's going on in the movie. But to me, like, Guido is actually representing also, like, Fellini's, like, daydreams and his, how he wishes that he was. Like, this whole movie is a daydream for a director. Mm-hmm. Like, he's literally a guy who doesn't have an idea, <laughs> doesn't believe in his movie, mm-hmm. and every every single person, wherever he goes, loves him, wants to be next to him, wants to talk to him, has questions for him, and No matter how much he brushes everyone off and doesn't give them a moment of his time, they still love him and they want to be next to him. Like this is every artist's dream. Like if anybody is in some way has has had a moment where you want to be famous, you have had a daydreams of this that like when someone sees this thing that I create, it's the president of the United States is going to like mail it to everyone in the country (laughs) because everyone needs to see this. It's going to change everyone's life. That's like the tone of this movie. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why like it, it is like very bold to make because he's like confronting like these ideas that like live in everyone's head, but no one says them out loud. Mm -hmm. Like no one, like, you know, we're all, we have all that pride inside of us that we're willing to, you know, have these insane daydreams, Mm -hmm. but we're not, you know, we have too much, you know, prior to actually tell anybody else, Mm. like, well, I would never say that out loud. And like, (laughs) but this guy, he makes a whole movie about that idea that you could be like this amazing that everyone wants you, but then also be so apathetic to everything around (laughs) you and actually not have anything planned at all and think the whole thing's a flop or whatever.
3: It's interesting because, you know, Fellini seemed to have be very in tune of how artists and directors would perceive themselves and how people in Hollywood or in the film industry would see themselves in general, because in one of his movies, um, he actually had a character named paparazzo, (laughs) which who followed around a famous person, which became the word paparazzi. So he like, he like invented that word It's interesting that he seems to have sort of predicted or for better or worse, how, you know, directors and auteurs, uh, would sort of see themselves in the coming years, like in, in terms of filmmaking, I think it was pretty interesting there. Let's talk a little bit more about these dream sequences. (laughs) Um, let's talk about what, what is everyone's favorite sequence? Cause I think these are like the, the cusp of, of the film, the, the interplay again, uh, Proto, let's start with you.
4: I mean, it's for me, it's, it's the harem with all the, the women in his life. Yeah. That scene is insane and hilarious. Yeah. Um, I couldn't believe how much I laughed during this movie. My wife was like, what are you? She was like on her laptop sitting next to me. She's like, why are you laughing so much? Of course she can't, you know, it's in Italian. So she's not reading it. She's doing something. So she doesn't hear what they're saying. Right. And I'm just like, you know, I'm laughing out loud, but just that whole sequence is like brilliant. And again, it's just like that whole idea that, yeah, of course, you know, some guy would think this, right? That every (laughs) woman loves him, that he can do nothing wrong. (laughs) And then the fact that, like, he then pulls out a whip to get him back in line.
3: (laughs) It's like, it's like, I I really want to know how people perceive that because, like, to me, I'm thinking, like, this is funny and it's also, like, like, what is happening? Like, this is, it's so (laughs) completely ridiculous and it's funny because at one point the dream turns on him, right? Like, all the women are like, this is bullshit. Like, we should not be standing for this guy's dumb rules he doesn't even pass his own set of rules it's almost like is like i know this is what people want to happen mm-hmm. but we're gonna keep making this guy kind of like a shitty self-absorbed human and like, he still gets to control like his vision i thought it was so clever um but yeah that whole sequence like the cinematography like the tight shots and the panning all around the room really got me uh boom what, what, you you made some faces oh. uh, during.
1: <laughs> okay so i actually really liked that scene, like, it it was definitely, like, my worst nightmare, like, <laughs> personified, but <Yeah. laughs> just being, like, trapped in some, like, weird man's fantasy, but <laughs> I liked it. I saw the humor in it. I thought it was very well shot, and it kind of, I don't know, I felt like I was, like, at a circus, and yeah. and kind of like what I was saying before about, like, euphoria, it's just the, the, the honesty of the situation and just kind of being Mm -hmm. like, yeah, like this is how I feel like this is what I see. Like, this is my fantasy. This is, this is how I see myself. Um, was, was interesting. I don't know. I liked it.
3: Did you have a favorite sequence in particular of the dream sequences?
1: I don't know if it counts as a dream sequence, but I did like the memory, like the flashback with uh, Sarah Mm -hmm. Hina Hina Mm -hmm. uh, on the beach Because she seems fun. (laughs) (laughs) Seems
2: like a great time. Yeah.
1: (laughs) I kind of got the vibe,
3: and let me know if I'm reading too much into this. I kind of got the vibe that that woman may have, like, sexually abused him, and he remembered. You don't get that. No. So I I thought that because when the priests come out and get him, they're saying, like, it's a sin. This is a mortal sin.
1: Mm. I think it's just cuz she's like a lady of the night and yeah okay, yes. she
0: was yeah. okay. So that was
3: it.
1: Yeah,
2: it's like the oppressive catholic upbringing of like sex before marriage is bad and mm-hmm. like she's a dirt like she's a dirty person like she, right. like that whole thing is like the showing off the oppressiveness right yeah right. of the catholic church and like being raised in that sort of roman catholic italian which i have
1: and close i feel like that's with. when like the seed cuz like he kind of goes into like all these different kind of like sexual fantasies and I- ideals. And I think that's kind of like when the seed was planted, like, you know, just having that excitement and like ch- hunting her down and like getting her to dance the rumba and then immediately being like s- scorned for it. Mm. And then, you know, c-
2: well, it's a cycle, psycho- like the psychological, well, I I connected in this with this movie and I cannot tell you how many ways. (laughs) So like Uh, I like, (laughs) but but not in a good way, like in a good way, but not a good good way. In that, like, I really, truly understand who this character is, because I feel like as much as it is about directors and what it is like to direct a movie, I feel like what's really great about the movie is it's someone looking back and examining his past Mm. as a young adult who was so self-absorbed. Like any artist, like myself included, like you get in this phase at a certain point, like for me, it was like in college, you know, where it becomes all about what you make and, and, and you become so self-obsessed because you figure Mm -hmm. out who you, you realize you're like aware and you start understanding that stuff and you start knit, like trying to create this persona and you become so self-absorbed and, and everyone else is some tool for you to use. You know, and what's so great about this movie is like it's not made from that perspective. It's made from the person years later looking back and seeing how foolish he was and how stupid he was and understanding like the way that you treat the people around you. You need to consider that. And it's not always just about you. It's it's, And that's you guys will see the artwork like I threw some planets and stuff around his giant head because I really <laughs> feel like this is an examination of like his ego, you know, yeah. and, and, and putting mm-hmm. yourself out there, mm-hmm. but he's not, he's like, he's being, he's, he's using everybody mm-hmm. around him. And I, and I, and what's so cool about it is he's examining that behavior and, and going back and, and seeing his, his first sexual experience and mm-hmm. trying to find a reason for why that explains his behavior now and he's constantly trying to justify why he is being the way he is. And mm-hmm. it's all at the end of the day, it's all nonsense. And that's why I think it can be hard for certain people to watch this movie. A friend of mine I have on Twitter was just like, I keep trying to start it and I can't cause I don't care about him. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's, what's so interesting is like, that is a real person that like most guys can be, but I think just mm-hmm. most people can be of like, so self-absorbed. And I thought that was so cool. Like the way that they, he examines like so- self examines himself, self examines himself. Yeah, yeah.
3: This movie is like unbelievably stylish too. Even the scenes that are less surreal and sort of like avant garde. Just like I-, I took a note a-, a couple minutes in the movie that like, the movie almost could take place on like another planet. Does that make sense? Like yeah. the way everyone's fashion. Uh obviously, I mean, mm. first of all, nineteen sixties Italian people yeah. were really well dressed and all beautiful. The suits, uh, man. The suits, the, suits, yeah. the, the dresses. Yeah. <laughs> Even like the set, like the you know, the mud house thing, like all that mm-hmm. could have oh, yeah. been the in resort. The resort, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. 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 Uh pro you had a big reaction to that. What talk to me? Oh gosh.
4: Yeah. Yeah, totally. It, it, so they're at this this resort, which is I guess it's like a center for like like uh homeopathic yeah. alternative like care. Yeah. Where they're I think they're, I don't know, they're drink they're getting like drinking holy water. Yeah, they're taking mud <laughs> they're, baths and are <laughs> taking mud baths, they're going to like these giant steam rooms, they're getting like doused in in like soot at some point. Charcoal so face masks,
2: hello. <laughs>
4: <laughs> so it just like creates just like these uh, amazing moments where it, it looks so foreign yeah. um against the, like the outside or mm-hmm. just like the movie production mm-hmm. as well. And I think those moments um, going along with that. So one of the parts that I love about that is like this, the steam bath. And so they have like this, he, I think they're at lunch or they're in some kind of room. And there's there's this ongoing thing where there's this cardinal <laughs> who's also there from the Catholic church. And um, he sees that him and like his producer wants him to talk to him and I think get get involved in some way with the
3: picture. Yeah, be like whatever. a like I think give it like the church stamp of approval. That's kind of what I got from that.
2: It's because one of his films previously had been banned by the Catholic Church, and so I think that was him trying to be like, well, what would they have me try and do to <laughs> to get this movie bigger than it is? So it's like we gotta appease the church.
4: And so yeah, the, he goes. Um, Guido, he goes into like this, this room, this giant steam room, everyone's going in there. He's wrapped in towels. I think he still might have his, we didn't mention it, his adorable little uh, uh, cowboy hat or whatever that is. (laughs) It it looks like it's like two sizes too small for him, but it also looks perfect at the same time. I don't know what that is, but I need one. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So he's down there and then he gets like a, a call over the intercom that like, the his eminence the cardinal yeah. wants to see him and that sequence i love that because to me like like right before that he's like uh there's this other ca- character who's a critic who kind of like grounds the whole movie yeah um and he, and he goes into like why like Guido, you know, like this whole um uh, exploration of the Catholic consciousness in Italy just isn't working with what you've written here, which is so funny.
1: (laughs) Yeah. The critic is hilarious. And,
4: and then, uh, so he goes to see his eminence, but like this whole steam room, it looks like they're all in heaven Mm -hmm. kind of like, that's what I took out of it. It's like all these old people who are, who live their lives as good Catholics. And now they're in line going downward into they're all dressed in white going Mm -hmm. to sit in the steam room. They're all coughing, but they're all doing like their duties that they have to, um, you know, to to stay healthy. And then over the intercom, our protagonist gets a call from his eminence to come see him right away. And he he gets up and
3: goes. And that shot of the camera going through the vent. Mm. And then when they talk and then when they're done talking, it comes back out of the vent. I was like, God, that is so cool. So many good shots. Also,
4: how about that, like weird audio of like that hissing whenever the cardinal yeah was on the screen? Was that supposed to be like like uh, insidious in some way? So I think, I think so.
3: like the way they're descending is almost like is it heaven or hell? It's hell, music. yeah. That's how I took it. Yeah. So that's you took it. So what do you think, catcher?
2: Yeah, I just that's how I took it. Like he was def he definitely has some opinions about the Catholic <laughs> Church. And his, uh, like, you know, from his life living in Italy, like, for sure, I, like I said, I have, like, that experience myself. Like, I can, he definitely is poking some fun at them. Like, the idea that he's, like, all sweaty and, like, shriveled. Mm -hmm. Like, he definitely is taking on a more, like, nefarious Mm -hmm. uh, caricature, I think, in in that sequence.
3: You know... Every week we do the show, I'm like, we just need to start splitting these episodes in two. I know. Like, I, could, <laughs> like, I mean, it's impossible to talk about these movies in an hour and change because there's just, like, so much, so much happening. I could talk 20 minutes about the cloak that the kids wear, that badass cloak that they're, like, draped yep. around. Mm-hmm. I think sweet. sweet. Um, but l- let's talk about the end sequence, um, which is obviously the climax of the film. Guido has been avoiding casting the major characters of his film. Um, and then he, his like producers come up to him and we're not really sure if this is a dream sequence at this point, his producers come up to him and like, we got to do something about this. We're going to, uh, we are going to have a, the biggest press conference of all time. We are take him to this huge set. And that set is awesome. By the way, I love that set. Yeah. The spaceship set. <laughs> uh, and we're going to have, the press is going to be there and we're going to talk about the movie. Um, and then when he's there, he has like a freak out. He hides under the press table. He like pantomimes shooting himself. And he has like this, it culminates with this grand vision where he has this realization of all these people he's wronged in his life that come out to him in this big parade, Mm -hmm. uh, which I think notably is led by a bunch of clowns, um, (laughs) which I'm not sure is like, you know, he thinks he's having this righteous comeuppance or realization, but in the end it's still like a clown parade and they're all like still bidding to his like own fantasy. Um, and then it sort of ends like this a uh, series of really epic monologues between the critic and Guido about how they think, you know, whether it was a good idea to stop the film. Let's go around the horror. What do we think about, about this? One of the most, uh, you know, noted and studied finales of a film. And I think for good reason, because it's a lot to take in, uh, in like that, you know, that 10, 15 minute sequence feels like, like 45 minutes. Uh. I, I think for me in a good way, at least, um, to so Proto, what, what were your thoughts on that? sequence. Honestly,
4: I felt kind of like lost as to <laughs> what to think of this. I felt like I had like a good grasp on like other parts of the movie, yep. but this has like a culmination. I felt like as to like, you know, what do you, what's he saying here? Um, you know, I'm not sure. I mean, we get to this point. Right. And, and we, I mean, we haven't even talked about his wife,
3: right? You know, yeah. her
4: character. So like, here's this person, like Uh, Who who sees through all of his lies, Mm -hmm. who sees his hypocrisy? um, uh, You know, she's there,
3: and she's basically the only one. Like some people kind of dabble in it a little bit. Like the critic kind of calls him out, at least on like the art level of like, I can tell you're not doing anything good with this movie. Like, why are you still doing this? But yeah, go on.
4: Maybe Guido, like he didn't write a good story. Like the critic has told us that. Um, There's also mentions throughout this that um, he he's been criticized that he can't. Make a love story, I think, or he he doesn't know anything about love, mm-hmm. so like he's failed in that way, um, and that he's just like failed these these people in his life, whether they know that or not. Um, but we see them all come down from the spaceship as it's supposed to be being torn down, and they're all you know dancing together. Yeah, I don't know. I I, I mean, it's really I I really don't have. I don't know what to say about it. I would actually be curious because there, there's like so much to think about in this movie that I haven't even gotten around to even to the, the idea of the spaceship. Like I love that set too, but mm-hmm. like, obviously that's like symbolic in some way, but I haven't really thought about it much. I don't know if you guys had opinions of like w- what the meaning of the spaceship, this incomplete set uh was for this.
2: To be honest, like I'm with you too. Like I, I think the thing that's, so, the thing that's great about this movie is there's like there's a lot you can talk about at on one viewing at surface level, like this is a story about a guy who's trying to direct a movie and he can't he doesn't know what the movie is, and the movie itself is commenting on the meta movie that's happening right, and like that's sort of like the through line but there's it's so it's not dense, but it's like you really do need to sit down and like spend some time with it and massage it and like put your ideas in it and hang out with it and I just feel like. I wish we could watch this. like I wish I could have watched this like two or three times, but I also don't want, think you'd really gain that much watching it like in a row three times. Like mm-hmm. I think it's something you want to sit with for a bit. And like in terms of like the ending of the movie and the spaceship and stuff, I, I don't know. I, I really don't I, know like what the spaceship means. The ending to me seemed sort of like the parade almost felt like like a, like a cre- like the end credits. Mm. Like these are the people that participated in the making of this experience. And these are all the characters and all the people that he knew and they all have an effect on who he is and therefore on the story and what what story is being told. And then the idea that they like grasp hands and they get back in in the dance and it seems like, okay, maybe they're going to get back together again, which they've like alluded to earlier, that him and his wife had broken up and gotten back together and sort of broken up and gotten back together. And she's sort of falling for his nonsense again and Mm -hmm. they sort of join hands in this circle and it's like listen you can overthink a million things you can overthink all parts of life but at the end of the day this is where you're at and just get in line and get part of the show Mm -hmm. like that's (laughs) sort of the vibe that I got and I was like is that right I was like I think it is because that's how I feel like and that's sort (laughs) of how I was trying to treat the movie the whole way through which was like he's just gonna give you what he feels is right and then you can just take from it what you will and what you want and, and re, um, connect with it.
3: So my theory on the spaceship is I think he – so at the time, Fellini did have like real writer's block, I think leading up to this film. Mm. Um, and so for me, I think the spaceship and positioning it as this grand sci-fi movie that – I think he knew it could never be made. So Guido had his failure excuse built in. Mm. So that was my interpretation of it. That I'm gonna I'm gonna start pitching this movie and producing this movie that's never gonna get made. So I have an excuse to say, oh, it's just too big. It, it can't be done. Mm. That that was, that was sort of my interpretation. Oh, that's cool. And though. so he used, um, you know, that's why he was dragging his feet on everything. Even like the little minor characters, like that woman who kept being like, "What's my role? What's my role?" And he just like would never give it to her because I don't think he ever had any idea. But he helped. He felt so much pressure. From himself and from the public and from the film and art community in Italy that they're like you have to do something and we're expecting this like level of of film and I think that's something that again touching back on like something that filmmakers probably feel today obviously I think that is like a a severe issue that a lot of filmmakers probably have. Um, I think all there's art, a reason, all artists, honestly, all, all, like, all artists, right. Yeah. But in the film world, like there's a reason avatar two has taken 48 years to come out, right? Like <laughs> yeah. the bar, I think Proto, you're an avatar guy, right? Like the, the, oh, yeah. the, uh, the bar of the first avatar, I wasn't even, I didn't really like that movie, but the bar was set so high. Mm. I wouldn't do avatar two. Are you kidding me? Like, mm. like you're asking for failure. Um, he, of course he's doing 12 more, uh, <laughs> over the next couple of years, but that's, that's, that was my vibe. Is that I I, I like that uh, yeah, I like that idea of
4: like him having a built-in excuse yeah. uh, for canceling this because there is there was a lot of quotes that I liked in this movie, yeah, but tons. one that I managed to write down is something that the critic says towards the end um to uh, Guido, he says, What monstrous presumption to think that others could benefit from the squalid catalog of your mistakes. Mm. And uh, in some ways, you know, that's life. <laughs> your life is full of mistakes. Um, and, you know, at the time we think it's terrible, but they kind of make up, you know, what your life is. And, and, and you wouldn't be you without those mistakes. And, you know, so on, a, on, like, on like a universal level, that kind of applies um, more so than it does, I think, to like this character himself. Like who cares like if this movie doesn't get made, it doesn't really affect anybody but like his choices personally those that he wrongs or like the way that he is and the things that he fails in it kind of makes up who he is and it and it and it, and it also makes like the good parts of him um because like you know you wouldn't have those uh the the good without the
3: bad before we go into our end segments here uh boom did you have something on the ending you wanted to chime in on
1: <laughs> <laughs> sorry when the journalists or like the paparazzi or whatever are kind of like chasing him down and he like hides under the table and then he like shoots himself. I was there up until that point. And then mm-hmm. the end there was just like when, you know, everybody's coming out and they're joining hands and doing all of that. My little brain was just like, Oh, <laughs> <laughs> totally <laughs> overloaded at that point. And I just kind of like, gave up and I was like, you know what? Like, this is, this is nice. Like, I think <laughs> <laughs> I wish I, I, I really wish I had more to say on it, but I, I, I was completely lost. Um, <laughs> it's fair.
3: I, I, I think that's fair. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Proto, were there other things you wanted to chat about specifically? One thing
4: I, I did want to say just, just about like the whole meta aspect of mm-hmm. this movie. Yep. Um, Uh, Like so, if anybody hasn't seen this, this there's kind of like three threads in this movie that's going on at the same time. We've kind of hinted at these, right? So it's like Fellini himself is making this movie. Guido is on a journey in the movie, but then also Guido is making a movie inside of this movie. (laughs) There's there's three layers, and in some ways, this is like a you know you could say it's like a parody of someone making a
3: movie.
4: Mm -hmm. Um, So like a parody uh, imitates the process of, of whatever it's, you know, it's, it's imitating. Um, and, and at times a parody can be described as you holding up a mirror to a subject, right? And that mirror can distort what it's reflecting. It can make it look goofy or silly or, or serious. It, it can add flavor to it. But with this, because it's so blunt with the way that it's, uh, it's told and that there's really like, the, there, there's uh, the fourth wall comes down in this, it, it's almost as if like Fellini is holding up like two mirrors to mm. each other at the same time mm-hmm. where the the subtext is mirroring, um, you know, what's being overtly told. But they're like reflecting off each other and it's like creating like this weird reverberation as you watch it where you feel like you're almost like like you're just like seeing layers with within this movie. Um, as they're like speaking to each other, I don't know if like, it's it's hard to explain without like seeing what's going on in this movie and And the thing that I love I, I think that works so well with that, and there's a lot that he does, but is just the humor in this. like I, I yeah. said before, mm-hmm. like there, there's so many great gags in this um that that I just love. My favorite being um so there's his mistress whose name is Kala. Mm-hmm. also the pronunciations mm. give me a break. they're amazing yeah. Uh, <laughs> but 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 Carla in this, um, she 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 wears this veil, and it makes it look like she has a mole on her face. And then later in the movie, they do a screen test for all of these um, actors filling the role for the movie. And the one that's playing Carla actually has a mole on her face. <laughs>
0: yeah.
4: it was so, like they're just like so many little things. And then at one point, someone there's this, uh, there's this other character. She has like this headpiece. Uh, she It's like up in a bun. And then there's like these two prongs that yeah. are sticking out. And someone oh, calls yeah. her like escargot. Yeah. And like, as you see it, you're like, oh my gosh, she looks like a snail. It's just so funny.
2: Yeah, I think just to piggyback on what proto said i this really amazing thing i found out about the making of the movie is he on the side of the camera he put this little he wrote this little note and it said this don't forget this movie is a comedy <laughs> and so every mm. every time he would like approach the film it was like that was always a reminder of him to be like no matter how serious we get and what just remember this is a comedy and i and i think that really is like the shining light about the movie is like it does deal with a, lo- a lot of interesting and uh, sort of like psychological stuff that's going on with the character. Mm-hmm. And some of that stuff is quite can get quite dark uh, and his behavior can be quite dark. But at the end of the day, it is coming from a jokey, fun perspective and it just makes some of the stuff a little, a lot easier to digest and consume and, and, and have a great time doing it.
3: All right. So let's get into our traditional end of main <laughs> discussion categories. And again, for folks listening, I apologize that we are condensing these movies that <laughs> require much more time and delicacy to chat about. Um, but that is the nature of podcasting. All right. So let's do our criterion moment. So if you're listening for the first time, if uh, fellow proto from 70mm have come here to listen. <laughs> uh, each episode we discuss, uh, we select our criterion moment, which is a moment or scene in the film as to why we think this is selected uh, to be a part of the criterion collection. So uh, Proto, you go first. What was your moment or scene?
4: Well, I'm just going to say the the scene that has stuck with me the most, I I was going to say... Um, the steam room scene Mm -hmm. and that whole scene with the Cardinal. I I really love that. But the thing that I just can't shake um, involves a scene with Carla, his mistress early on in the movie. um, She looks amazing. Like she is immaculate. She has this amazing outfit on Mm -hmm. Um, her, her skin. Look, it looks like her skin is like all like moisturized or powdered (laughs) or something. That is like amazing, like tone and her her lips are like perfect. (laughs) She's in her room and she's eating a a, a drumstick. Um, so it's like this amazing woman who looks immaculate, but she's just chowing down on a drumstick.
2: That's real. And
4: I, I, I can't stop thinking about that scene because it's incredibly sensual but also nerve-wracking at the same time because I just thought the whole time I was thinking like, she's going to mess up her makeup. She's going to get a piece of chicken on her dress and it's all over. Um,
2: get a girl so who can said, do both, Proto. Yeah, get a girl exactly who can right. do both. Exactly,
3: right? Catcher, what's your criterion moment?
2: It's It sucks because I kind of cheated when we did the Beatles one. where you it's You cheat like, every time. It's, cheat. The whole, it's the whole <laughs> you movie. Gotta,
3: you got to adhere to the rules. Yeah. I know. No, I'm not going to cheat. I'm not, no, I'm not
2: going to cheat. I'm not going to cheat now. I just wanted to bring it up because I feel like watching these movies, what's so great is like, it's the whole, the whole experience is so fun. Um, yeah. And that's what's so great about these movies. But the scene that I took away the most from, and it was the scene that sort of like locked me in for my interpretation of this, v- with this viewing was the scene where he's watching the dailies mm-hmm. of the actresses that they're choosing. And it's like, he is watching the dailies, but really what it's doing is it's like surfacing all of the bullshit that between him and his wife mm-hmm. and all. And it's, It's happening on like a public stage, but it's not a public stage because it's in a dark room. And and there's just all these layers that are going on. Um, And just the way that he feels, I just understand like when you are forced to deal with the truth of who you are and the decisions you've made and you have to and you you can't run away like he is constantly trying to run away from the reality of what is, is going on. And that's this. that's the scene where he can no longer do that. Everyone is forced him into the room and making him watch.
3: I also love when he hangs the critic, like in his mind. I think that's such a, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. Such a wild. That's such a wild visual. <laughs> like the they use sends- that
2: body double twice, and both times they use it. It makes feels me with such joy. It's so fun. <laughs> what was, this,
3: when was the first time?
2: When he's cut from the rope and he falls down into the ocean, oh, like right yeah, at the, the beginning. Ocean, right. It's like this fake body that they right. use again. I'm certain it's the same. It's
3: an amazing shot. Yeah. Yeah, so that's so so cool. Boom, what about you?
1: I don't know. So when I watched the trailer for this movie, I was like super excited about it. Um, so I think that my favorite um sorry, my criterion moment is like the beginning, like the opening scene cuz mm-hmm. like I said like mm-hmm. I watched the trailer, I was super stoked and the scene is just like my note for it was opening scene slaps so hard. Mm-hmm because <laughs> uh, it's just like I don't know it just sets the tone for for the rest of the film I think um if there is a tone but it's like this sense of like dreaminess and panic and uh you get a sense of Guido and his like inner demons before you even see his face like mm-hmm. and it and it's just so cool like I don't know it's just like you feel like you're almost having you're there with him when he's like breathing heavily. And then when you like mm. look over to that school bus and like everybody's like upside down and you're just like, what the fuck's going on? And then all of a sudden <laughs> yep. he's like in the sky. It was, yeah, it was so cool. And it, and it got my energy like way up. Like I got super stoked. So yeah.
4: Did anyone else check their, their volume to see if they had
3: muted their TV by accident? Yeah. Yeah. It took, yeah. yeah. I kept like turning it on. <laughs> it was so, so quiet. quiet. Was like, one, yeah. So quiet. Yeah.
1: And then it's just like breathing. Oh man. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Yeah, it was really cool. Uh, yeah. So my, my criterion moment um, is going to be kind of the beginning part to the ending. I really love the ending sequence, um, but I really, really liked the part where he leaves the screening uh, theater and he goes into that street uh, and then there's like he gets picked up by another actress who who wants the role. Mm. And oh no, that's his mistress, right? Who picks him up? No. No, no, no. It's that the new actress. No. It's the
2: main actress that he wants. It's Claudia. That's
3: Claudia. That's his ideal yeah. woman. Yeah, yeah. So Claudia picks him up. Um, and just that whole scene is so cool. Like it, it really makes you think again, like, is this real? It's one of the less surreal sort of daydreams. And the lighting in, in the scene, and mm-hmm. when the producers come up and then just sets everything up for this grand finale, the way when she's laughing at him sitting against the wall. Just like the lighting in that scene is so so perfect, and how, like Fellini's technical, uh, his technical skills are on display throughout the entire movie. Obviously, oh yeah. Um, but I think it's it, it's so awesome in that part. So that that leading into the finale is is gonna be my my Criterion moment. So let's get to our previously known as Criterion pairings, now artfully known as cripes. artfully <laughs> known, not Ooh. not crime, Sorry,
0: H. Uh, we have we're going
3: with satellites. What are our satellite picks? For what we think uh, is is a good way to something else to consume with this. Uh, what's yours?
0: Uh,
4: so another aspect of this movie, I guess, is just like this this self examination, self evaluation that Fellini is doing in this, and uh, it 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 brought to mind my favorite my favorite comic book creator uh, Chris Ware and Ooh. and his work. So he wrote um, Jimmy Corrigan, uh, and he he's done these other books. I have one it's called the acme novelty library and it's it's these like little vignettes um these strips sometimes they're just like a couple panels they might be a full page um but it's like all these just like different insights and and just like it's it's very funny um but like his sense of humor is is he's so witty and clever and it reminded me of this but also like there's a lot of like (laughs) self-deprecation in his work and that kind of reminded me um of, of of this movie as well. Um, so that was like the thing that kind of like just stood out to me of just like being self-aware, like how, how that is in this and just how that is in, in Chris Ware's work where a lot of it's autobiographical um, in the same way and, and deals with like similar themes.
2: I love Chris Ware. He's the best. Have you read building stories? Yeah. Dude, building yeah. stories it's blew my wild. my mind open. He's so
3: good. Boom. What's your satellite pick?
1: Okay. Um, so I thought that this was like maybe a bit of a stretch, but then you guys kind of mentioned it at the beginning of the episode. And I was like, okay, maybe I did get this movie. Thank you very much. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I think you did. I think you
1: did. Yeah. I know, yeah. Um, but yeah, so I guess one of my biggest takeaways from this movie um was kind of like how society leeches off of the creativity of others. Um like that's just something that kind of plays out through it. Um and some of the scenes in the movie, particularly the scene um towards the end where like Guido is just being like bombarded by the press, kind of reminding me of um Darren Aronofsky's mother. Mm-hmm. Um because mm-hmm. that hundred percent. Yeah, like yep. mother is I know it's like an allegory about climate change and it's, it's a wild ride. Um, (laughs) But like, it's that idea of kind of creation being taken for granted and like destroyed. And there's also, it's also kind of avant-garde and like there's a lot of surrealist imagery and yeah. And, and I instantly like that ending scene just like instantly reminded me of like the end of mother when I also every- wrote
3: down mother. Did you? It, okay. I, I literally wrote down mother. Yeah. Like at the ending. Yeah. Okay. Totally yeah. Similar.
1: So yeah, that was kind of um, yeah. So that's my satellite pairing.
3: Have you seen Mother Proto? Yeah, I hated that <laughs> oh. movie. Yeah, I, I think you either love it or I loved it. Uh, love, 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 love. You either love or hate it. it. There's it, no like
1: there's, v- like really stressed me out and like I yeah, didn't enjoy it, it, but it, <laughs> like my. I appreciated
3: it. I've never been more in the movie picking doghouse with Tara than when I chose Mother <laughs> oh. One oh. night <laughs> holy crap. I, I mean, I should, I hadn't seen it. Yeah. So this is my first time seeing it. I should have known like Darren Aronofsky, she's probably not going to like this movie. Yeah. So it is like on me, but, Immediately afterwards she was like, "I'm picking the next ten movies, and you cannot say
1: one totally. We had a friend uh, during like the baby eating scene.
3: Oh yeah. We,
1: we had a friend that like mm. got up and walked out of the theater.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I uh, deserved. Yeah, but I yeah. really enjoyed it. Um, Me too. Yeah. Catcher, what's your satellite? All
2: right. <clears throat> I just need time alone with my own thoughts. Got treasures in my mind, but couldn't open up my own vault. My childlike creativity, purity, and honesty is honestly being crowded by these grown thoughts. Reality is catching up with me, taking my inner child I'm fighting for custody with these responsibilities that they entrusted me as I look down at my diamond-encrusted piece. That's, that's, uh, that's some beautiful writing from Kanye West. Power from his album My Dark Twisted Wait, my, my, beautiful dark. my Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. And I think this movie and that record go so incredibly well together. Yeah. Um this is a dude who is coming to terms with his shitty ass behavior. His shitty ass behavior will be replaced with some pretty repulsive behavior later on. But as a regular person growing up, you sort of like go through that adult phase and then you come out the other end and you realize you kind of done a lot of dumb shit maybe and you have some regrets, but you're also now like closer to who you want to be as a person. And I think that record is so powerful with that. Um, And I think there is like a nice direct correlation between the sequence um, that we talked about where he's dealing with all the women in his life and the song uh, Devil in a Blue Dress. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I think those these two movies are... Buddies for sure.
3: Yeah, that's a great pick. This is the first time this has happened. I also (laughs) picked my beautiful dark twisted fantasy, but but in a different way. So I'm picking the runaway film. Ooh. Okay. uh, Okay. So Kanye in he went through a he's gone through (laughs) plenty of phases, my boy Kanye. He made like a 30 minute short film um, called Runaway, which is um available in full on YouTube. And it's basically segments of all of my beautiful dark twisted fantasy. The story is a phoenix falls from the sky, lands in Kanye's uh, Murcielago uh, Lamborghini, uh, and then she's not accepted in this world, and you know so forth. Uh, I think it's a great pairing. It's com- very wild, and I'm pretty sure Kanye has like name dropped Fellini in some lyrics, and I know he's like a Fellini guy. Um, so the it's really beautiful. Like if you're not. There are listeners of this who do not like Kanye West. I understand that. But this movie is- There might be hosts
2: so- on the show that don't like Kanye West.
3: I, I think, think Pro-It's okay. Are you okay? No, Yeah,
4: I, I watched oh. Runaway this year. Yeah, that's it's, a great- Yeah, I mean, Kanye, whatever you think about him, he's gifted. And it yeah. would be great if he could actually, uh, I don't know. Not be an idiot. Well, <laughs> if he had the um, maybe the the focus to to make a, a full-length movie, I mean,
3: yeah, I'd be down. Yeah. Yeah. The movie is really great. It's on YouTube. It should be. um, And it's definitely worth the watch. So those are our satellite picks. We have one voicemail and one email. Um, So let's get through those really quickly. And then we can find out where Catcher is going to take us next. Um, If you want to shoot us an email or shoot us a voicemail, you can send that over to synonotspod at gmail.com or send us a message on Twitter and Instagram. Let's get to this uh, email first. This is from Proto's co-host, Slim, over at um, 70MM. Oh, no. Hey, folks. First time, long time. I'm on day three of trying to finish Eight and a Half on the HBO Max <laughs> app on my Chromecast <laughs> with Google TV. And I have to say, I don't think it's going to happen before you record this episode. <laughs> After 20 minutes in, I wondered if I should bail, but I already shared photo evidence on my IG that I had started watching, <laughs> so I was <laughs> Uh, I look forward to hearing Proto's diagnosis of the movie and catcher. I accept your apology for being wrong about strange days. Thank you for your time. And thank you. Boom in advance for your review, which I will most likely agree with. And it seems like, you probably yeah. <laughs> And if Proto didn't arrive in this episode with sound effects of a shuttle touching down and thrusters stopping, what was the whole point of the event? This is what I was hoping for. This, this is, is what I wanted. In post Come on, this is yeah. this is the this is the magic of post. Wait,
1: is there evidence that Catcher uh apologized for his review of Strange Days? Does that exist somewhere?
2: Okay, I'm confused what I'm wrong about. I said it was good <laughs> and it should be in the criterion. What more do I have to do?
1: But you said do it I you need- said it was not. Wait, I think you said that it was not a good movie.
2: In fact, I think I said that to your like, to like somehow to your face, yeah. like three or four times throughout the But I liked it. I think I was actually willing to up my vote because I put it at two and a half and I think it's definitely a three. Fair.
3: Yeah, Slim. I think you are aligned more so with Boom than the rest yeah. of Although Boom finished the movie and she enjoyed parts of it. I don't know about yeah. it. Right. I tried well, my
1: darn nest.
3: i
2: will say quickly that like it took me ages to start watching it and i don't know what it is about that like this is the longest it took me to get to watching the movie maybe i was just like intimidated it's intimidating it is intimidating intimidating.
1: but i like how hype everybody was about this movie like this is like the first like we had people like sharing on instagram being like we're watching eight and a half we're stoked and like so yeah,
3: well, and we got Proto to p- yeah. yeah, it helps. That's true, so the 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 system works.
1: <laughs> I mean,
4: it's a t- that people are calling it a top ten movie of all time. Right? I know how yeah. to check it yeah. off. I
1: think this yeah. is w- this is what happens to me when with these movies, though. People are like, "This is one of the best movies of all time," and yeah. then I just like get anxious and break down. I'm like. Cannot compute, so.
2: <laughs> it's called being slimfluenced. Slim. It's a thing. It's a thing. It's a word. It's a word. Slim,
3: Slim's going gonna, Slim's gonna to be your best friend now yeah. after hearing this yeah. episode. I might have to edit all this out to keep him grounded. Uh, and then
0: here is a voicemail from our
3: dear friend, H.
0: Greetings, Cynonauts. It's H reporting in from Sector 415. I made contact with the unknown entity, eight and a half, and emerged from the experience a changed Cynonaut. The images and disjointed storytelling conveyed by the entity opened my eyes to the highs and lows of human existence, particularly the meaning of love and fidelity. My criterion moment was Guido's incredible dream sequence where he envisions having a harem of lovers who are retired and set upstairs so he wouldn't have to look at them anymore once they'd reached the disgusting (laughs) age of 26. (laughs) Not only was there a beautiful mixture of Guido's childhood home, his nursemaids, his lovers, the entire scene was filmed in loving long takes conveying the fantasy and nothingness that it would bring. Just mind blowing. The story of Guido and his seeming inability to be faithful or even to be honest with his wife, Luisa, at once made him unsympathetic, but placed within the context that divorce was illegal in Italy in 1963, mm-hmm. Luckily with a deeper oh, yeah. compassion for lies mm-hmm. lived and the desperation it created. Wow. Ultimately, this was a profound experience, and I look forward to making contact with this entity again. <laughs> H, signing off. <laughs> thank you H
3: wow. thanks H are we going to go back and discuss this whole film one more time with that
0: I know <laughs> that's, that's, it, that,
3: that's, a, that's good insight I mean you know yeah. I'm sure that was a factor uh then it's a factor now in some countries, you know, a lot of some like I yeah. think Ireland just allowed divorces legally, like relatively recently. So Ireland just makes sense. Wow, that's wild. Yeah, yeah.
1: like the whole pre- like the whole premise of the crown, which I was talking about a few weeks ago, is just like all the royals being like, I'm not unhappy in my marriage. I want to get a divorce. And they're like, you can't. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Thank you, H. Again, one of the hosts over at DunePod. Uh, Proto is a frequent collaborator on Dune Pod. Catcher's been on there a couple times. I've been on there once. Rumor has it. Boom's going to be on there. Yeah. I'm excited uh, in the, in the future. So keep an eye out for that Dune pod. All right. So that was eight and a half catcher. Where are you taking us next?
2: Okay. So I've been torn. Do I do the movie that people will really like, or (laughs) do I do the movie that I like? And it's my birthday when the episode comes out. So we're doing the movie that Mike likes. We've mentioned his name a few times today. His name's Darren Aronofsky. He's my boy. And uh, I'm going to take you on a journey. A journey of love. A journey through time. A journey through space. Oh, Fuck. And uh, you're all gonna hate it. And I'm gonna love every second oh. of it. And I will spend most of the next episode actually explaining what's even happening in the movie because y'all <laughs> will not have a clue. But we're watching The Fountain. Oh, baby. We're oh, watching Darren Aronofsky's God. The Fountain. That's right. We're doing a Criterion <laughs> Edition episode because it's my birthday and we're putting The Fountain in, and no other show will ever talk about this movie. So we're talking about it. Wait, so I'm it's not stoked. in The
1: Criterion?
2: No, it's an addition because it should be in every list, in every collection, mm-hmm. and all around the world. <laughs> it, it should have won BAFTAs. It should be everything. Everyone should love this movie. So we're gonna. Oh
1: my God, i Hugh tell Jackman.
2: You. Meditate. Hugh Jackman. Rachel Vice, okay, we're gonna rock and roll this. It's gonna be an incredible time. <laughs> stay
3: tuned. Stay tuned for the series finale of Cynonauts next week. Oh my god, that's right. I went to that's see right. this
1: movie in high school because I because I think Hugh Jackman's hot. <laughs> and I was...
3: Whoops! I have Whoops-y. never seen this movie. I, I've seen I love Aronofsky. Oh, yeah, I've seen a lot of his movies. I have not seen this. I've sort of avoided yeah. it actively. Yeah. but Proto, have you seen? At the fountain? I
4: have, but it's been a long time. I might have to revisit. Did you like it, bro? When you I watched did, it? I, I remember liking it. Yeah. I, I am mean, yeah, I, I that might have been I think I watched it before I like even knew who Aronofsky was and was kind of like right. blindsided but what by <laughs> I was what I was watching. But <laughs> yeah. I feel like from what I remember, it's a lot less dark than his other movies mm-hmm. can be. If I remember It is
2: about record. love, you know, okay. and eternal love. Yeah. And and what love can what what love can let you do. Nice. It's beautiful. (laughs) Can't wait. This is so exciting.
3: Happy birthday. I've been waiting. Birthday boy. I've been
2: waiting for years since I walked out of the theater the first time to make people listen to me talk about this movie.
3: Here we go. Well, it's going to happen next week on uh, the next episode. of Well, thanks everyone for hanging out. Proto, thank you for being our first guest in a knot and taking us on this journey. Yeah. Yo, thank you
4: so much for having me on the show. And if I can, I just say. That I love this and I love it because how, how thoughtful you guys all are, but also how like chill you are at the same time <laughs> where you can talk earnestly about movies, but not, and Criterion movies, but not sound like snobs or, <laughs> um, you know, like you know, it alls. you guys are just like so down to earth and it's so fun just to, to have you on listening while I'm, you know, doing whatever it is I'm doing, uh, you know, working or keeping an eye on my kids. So thank you so much for doing this.
2: Can we give you a ride home, by the way, since you're stranded here? Yeah, that would be <laughs> great. Maybe planet. just like
4: an escape pod, just like pointed towards Earth would
2: yeah, be good. For sure.
4: Okay, cool. Yeah, we can do that.
3: Thanks, everyone, for hanging out. Again, check out 70 Millimeter; They have episodes that come out on Mondays. Yeah. Uh, if it's not sold out, go to 70mmpod.com. Try and snag one of your, those director's set pins. Uh, they are like, awesome. Boom catcher. I will see y'all next week. Eek. Talk to
1: everyone soon. A fountain.
3: Have
2: a good night, everyone. <laughs>